subject. And so today we're going to look at a parable that, that Jesus taught about hearing from God and how to hear from God and how to put yourself in a position to where you can hear from God. And so if you know anything about me, you know that I am geographically challenged. I mean, I get lost everywhere I go. Still, even in Pueblo, I've been here since 1995. I still get lost in Pueblo. Um, I may never find my way out sometimes of Pueblo West, but I just I get lost everywhere I go. And so a couple of years back, Karen uh, bought me a Garmin. And so, you know, turn-by-turn turn instructions and, and, and a GPS and that thing. And so I live with that, and we've named our Garmin. We've named her Lola. And so, uh, yeah, it may be creepy to you, but she's like one of the family. And so we have, we, have named her, we have named her Lola. I take Lola wherever I go. I mean, I punch numbers in and, and all of that stuff. And I, I'll just tell you this, that when, I, when we first got Lola, she was really a nice person. And then after about a year, we had to upgrade her, you know, with new maps and, and all of that stuff. She did not handle the upgrade well. I mean, she was kind of angry. She was kind of short. She's kind of gruff when she talks. I mean, I don't know if she didn't think, if she felt like that she didn't need an upgrade or she didn't need to learn anything else or, or anything like that, but she didn't take the upgrade well. And so here a few weeks ago, I was, a pastor called me from Colorado Springs and said, hey, could you come up and, and we go to lunch? I'll buy you lunch and could we just talk about church? That they were going through some difficulties in our church. And just so you know, we help churches in Pueblo. We help churches in Pueblo West. We help churches in, in Colorado Springs. And, and we're helping a church in Denver right now. Last weekend, uh, we sent a team of about 17, 18 people up to their church to help them. And so we help churches all over. And so I'm punched in the address and I'd never been there before in Colorado Springs and it wouldn't have made a difference because I couldn't have found my way back there. And so I'm going turn by turn directions and you know with a GPS, you don't really get the end point, just a, an address, not a map because it's turn by turn. And on my way, Lola goes silent. And I'm like, what is up with this? And I turn and I look at the screen and it says connection lost, searching for satellite. This is not good news for me. And so... <laughs> I like, I freaked out and I panicked and I was, it gave me stress. It gave me anxiety because you know what? I'm telling you, I don't know my east from my west, my north. And I don't even know if I'm pointing the right directions. <laughs> and so I quickly called the pastor and hopefully he could talk me in and, and all of these other things. And so, but here's what happened to me. I no longer could hear the voice of Lola and it gave me great stress. And it gave me great panic. I'm that way with God's voice. 15 years ago, what set me on this journey is when I could no longer hear the voice of God. And it gave me anxiety. It gave me stress. And maybe some of you here this morning, you go, you know what? I remember a time in my life when I heard the voice of God and I knew that it was him. But I am going through a period where I can no longer, it's like connection lost. Maybe there's some of you in this room and you've been a believer and maybe you've been a believer for a long time. And you would say, you know what? I don't know that I've ever heard the voice of God. I mean, that's, that's a, a, a concept that is, is almost foreign to me. See, I've discovered that there are a lot of people that yes, they'll say and they'll answer They'll believe that God will speak to them because that's the church answer. That's the Sunday school answer. But down deep, they don't really believe God will speak into their situation. 
that God will speak into their circumstances, that God will really give them insight and guidance into a period and time of their life. We don't doubt that God can speak. We're discouraged and we doubt that he will speak to us. And he will give us insight. See, I truly expect the Lord to speak to me. It's normative in my life. Jesus, 15 times in the New Testament, kept making this statement over and over and over. He said, he who has ears, let him hear. 15 times Jesus said that. Oh, in the definition of of, of hear in the Greek, it is not hear to hear an audible voice, hear to hear a message. It is to hear with understanding. It is to hear with the essence of understanding. It, my wife, and guys, maybe you're like me, but my wife does not just want me to hear her while I'm watching TV, while I'm reading a sports page. My wife wants me to hear her with an essence of understanding. She just doesn't want me to hear her. She wants me to listen to her. That's what Jesus said 15 times in the New Testament. Testament, Just listen to me. And Jesus explains in this parable in Luke chapter 8, four steps or four ways that, that, that we put in our life so that God will speak to us. Now listen. I've heard some pastors talk and preach that these are four different types of people, the the soil. I do not believe it's four different types of people. I believe this, that it's an attitude of the heart because we all have a tendency, if we're not careful, we can circulate or drift into each one of these at different periods of of our life. James said in James 1.21, he makes this statement. Watch this. He says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. And so there's something that you have to do. And what? And receive. Don't just hear. Understand with an essence of understanding. With meekness. The implanted word. And it. It will save your soul. When God's word is implanted in your life. And it develops a root system. And over time, it begins to spring up in your life. So four principles. Now listen, these are very simple. These aren't hard principles at all. Uh, Jesus, when he talked in principles, he talked in a way, or he, he talked in parables, he talked in a way that they could understand. He used a farming principle. Now listen, I wasn't raised with, in a family of farmers or anything like that, but my, wife, my, my mom was an unbelievable gardener, and she still is. I mean, I grew up, and she loved to garden. Still, people to this day, when they drive past my mom and dad's house, there are people that will still pull over, come, and knock on the door and ask her what plant is that or how does she grow that plant because it's a difficult plant to grow. And so I was raised in a family to where I watched these principles play out in a garden. So the four steps, the four principles is this, that if you're going to prepare your heart to receive the Word of God so His Word is implanted in your heart because Scripture is is clear that the condition of our heart is what allows the word to be implanted in our life to where it bears fruit in a harvest. 
The first one is this, is you must plant. The first one is this, is you must plant. And which in the planting process, that's cultivating the soil, that's preparing the soil. See, many people, many people that, that doubt or, or think that God cannot speak to them. It's not that he's not speaking to them. They have closed off their hearts to him. Here's the parable in chapter 5 of uh, verse 5 of Luke chapter 8. And when Jesus walked through this parable, he said the parable, and then later on he gives the interpretation. And so instead of walking verse by verse this morning, we're going to look at the parable, and then we're going to look at Jesus' interpretation because Jesus wanted the disciples to get that. And guess what? He wants us to get it this morning. Verse 5, here's what the scripture says. He says, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. So something happened. So here's Jesus' interpretation. He says, let me explain this to you. The ones along the path are those who have heard, not with an essence of understanding, not with applying it to their life. They heard on the surface. They are the ones that heard. Then the devil comes along and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and, and be saved. See, in their culture, and, and I've taken groups, and Karen and I have taken groups to Israel, and, and the, the ground in Israel is interesting. There's a, there's a bedrock of limestone with a, with a, with a shallow topsoil or dirt over it. And it's a real dry uh, climate there. And so when they would plant and they had rows, they had these footpaths, and the footpaths, because it was so dry and the lack of moisture, they would become so hard, hard, I mean, they were as hard as concrete, that even though the word, even though the seed was thrown on the footpath, it could never take root. It could never be implanted. We would call this person a person that has a hard heart. A person that has gone through some things maybe in life, and yes, even a believer can come to the point that, you know what, they are so hardened by this world and hardened by hurt that even his word cannot. It's the person that really doesn't give God a chance to speak to them. There's, there's several things that, keeps, that, that develops a hard heart. One of them is fear. Man, fear of the future. Fear of what's going on in our economy and the world. And Man, if we're not careful... Fear can cause us, can harden our heart. Another thing that can harden your heart is pride. I don't need God to speak to me. I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. I'm successful in my profession. I'm successful in my community. You know what? I, I don't need God to speak to me. I, I know what I do. I mean, I can make it without him. You know what? A lot of times, pride is a smokescreen for insecurities. Fear and pride. And I'll tell you another one that can keep God from speaking to you or, or uh, hearing him or hardening of the heart, bitterness. Hmm. God, why did you allow this to happen? God, I'm not forgiving them. God, why did they hurt me? Like, Life experiences can bring us pain, hurt, and bitterness. 
can harden the heart or put up a wall around us that I hate to tell you this, God's word has trouble penetrating. We may hear it. We don't really receive it. We don't really apply it. We plant, we cultivate the soil, and then we water. Farmers, some of the most disciplined people I know. I mean, you know this, and I mean, and I watch this with my mom, whether they're gardeners or whether they're farmers, that you don't just throw out a bunch of seed. That's the fun part. But you don't throw out a bunch of seed and then walk away and go on vacation for six months and come back and there's a harvest ready to be harvested, right? I mean, it takes a disciplined life. A farmer is, is a person that has a disciplined life and, and they have a lot of patience. I mean, and, and so many times in, in what... We get in such a hurry. And we say, God, speak to me in 15 minutes or less. God, speak to our church in a four-week series. Using me as an example. God, you got 10 minutes. God, speak to me on the way to the office. God, speak to me as I watch TV. God, speak to me. And we're in such a hurry. See, Jesus would say, this type of life, this type of soil is shallow. Watch what Jesus says in verse 6. And some, speaking of the seed, some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, so it starts to grow, it withered away. And this is what I love about Scripture. Scripture always tells us why. Why did it wither away? Because it had no moisture. Do you realize from the Old Testament to the New Testament, water was symbolic of several things? Fact is, in the Old Testament, water was the picture of God's presence. That's why in Jeremiah and Isaiah and some other, other scripture you read that, that the water, the, the rivers uh, flowed through the land and the trees, which a tree would represent life, and the trees that were on the bank of the river, their leaves never withered in times of drought. In times of difficulty, this was the picture of divine grace. In the, in the New Testament, the picture of water was the spirit. The picture of water was, was, was Jesus. It was the word. Here's Jesus' interpretation. And the ones on the rock are those who hear the word, hear it without the essence of understanding, hear the word without applying it to their life, hear the word without implanting it into their life and they receive it with joy it's like those verses that you may hear in church or those voices or verses that you read and you go oh that verse just gives me warm fuzzies I think I'll put it on the refrigerator I'll buy a Hallmark card with it you know the verses that that we read them and it just gives us all those feelings but you know what we never apply it to our life we never implant it into our life and they receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while. In the time of testing, what a sad commentary. Those fall away. Jesus is saying this type of soil is a, it's a shallow person. It's a superficial person. 
when the heat is on, when there's difficulty, when there's crisis, they wilt. They're the ones that never allow God's word to be implanted in their heart, in their life. They never really meditate on his word. They never really memorize his word. They never really read his word. It's unbelievable some of the first-time reactions that we get here at Fellowship of the Rockies. I mean, we'll have people come in, and, and they're like, we cannot believe this many people gathered together on the weekend. We can't believe the joy of the people. We can't be the, believe the celebration. We cannot believe the, the, the diversity in the congregation, the great age range, and all of that other stuff. And then they say things like, we cannot believe. I mean, we felt God's presence. There was something different there. Or they'll say things to me like, were you following us around? Did you have our house bugged? because you talked on the very subject that we're dealing with right now and they're touched deeply and some of those people we never see again see the danger is you can be thrilled but not transformed you can be touched but not transformed they never let the word sink in and there was any doubt depth how can how can someone come into church, hear the same worship, hear the same word, and walk out and not be transformed and not be changed? Easy. They never let the word sink in. The word was for their husband. The word was for their wife. The word was for their kids. The word was for that friend they disliked. The word was for everybody. See, everybody talks about changing the world, but nobody wants to talk about changing themselves. It starts with us. And what Jesus is saying, it starts with allowing the word to be implanted in our life. They say the most successful crop is alfalfa because the root system is 20 to 30 feet deep. It can handle the drought. It can handle the heat. It can handle the difficulties of life. How do you know if you have roots in him? How do you handle the heat? You wilt. How do you know if you're shallow? How do you handle difficulties? What comes out of you, the word or the world? Fear? Anxiety? Only one thing develops a root system in our life. The implanted word is the daily spending time with him. You do what you value. Valuing that time where you open up the word and you expect him to speak to you through his word. So you plant and you water. And the third thing that I hated as a kid, you weed. I hate weeds. I hate to weed because as children growing up in, in our home, that's, that was a job of us kids, especially for punishment. Get out there and, and, and weed the garden. See, Jesus defines out what weeds are. The fact is, Jesus says that there are some weeds that can come in and crowd God out of your life. And necessarily, they're not necessarily sin or bad things. 
But we've talked about this. A good thing can become a bad thing in your life if you allow the good things to crowd God out of your life. See, and that's what weeds do. Weeds crowd out the good things out of your life. See, sociologists tell us that it is a myth, it is a false belief for us to believe that our generation has less free time than the generations prior to us. They say what is true. This generation has more choices of how to spend our free time, which gives us some difficulty. The successful life, what sociologists tell us, comes with the choices that you and I make of how we handle our discretionary time or our free time. Jesus said this in the parable, verse 7. He said, And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. I mean, it's a violent thing. For a while, this is, this is so important, for a while, the weeds and the word would coexist. And you could manage the two. But the day came when the weeds overtook the word and choked it out. Realize the same thing can happen in your life. There is a period, unfortunately, that you can start down this path and the weeds and the word can coexist, but the day will come when the weeds can choke out the word. Here's Jesus' interpretation, verse 14. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who, you're going to see this principle all the way through. They are those that hear, not with an essence of understanding, not with any responsiveness. They are the ones that hear. But as they go on their way, they don't make any adjustments in their life. They're not responsive to the word. They heard, but they just go on their way. They go on doing things just the way that they, they did before they heard the word. And they choked, they were choked out by, so Jesus identifies the weeds, okay? Cares, riches, pleasure of life, and their fruit, the blessing that they were going to receive from the word, they never see it in their life. It does not mature. He was saying this type of soil with weeds is a preoccupied heart. It's a heart that is distracted. I'm too busy to, I'm too busy to hear from God. I can't hear from him anymore. I, I tune him out. God doesn't desire to speak to me. Let me tell you something. God wants you to bear fruit. And sometimes we can become so busy that we can no longer hear from him. I, I, I saw a poster one time in someone's office and it said this. It says, beware of the barrenness of a busy life. Man, can I tell you this? A busy life given to the weeds will leave you empty a shell of a person, shallow. You'll miss the fruit. You'll miss the blessing. You'll miss the harvest. God is trying to speak to you right now. Are you too busy to hear from him? 
Are you even distracted right now with thoughts of life and everything that's going on? Jesus, not me, said one of the weeds is life worries. And it's normal for all of us to go in and out of worry, but what's not normal is how long we stay there or it ends up in anxiety. See, problems and pressure can give us worry, but when worry will be dangerous in your life or what brings worry on is when you try to solve problems in your life without God. Oswald Chambers says this, anxiety is calculating your future without God involved in your future. I'm scrolling through the internet uh, on Saturday and I'm I'm just looking at the news headlines and I I felt the anxiety. Shootings in Arizona, shootings in, in New Jersey, economic news, world news, terrorism, threats. And I felt this anxiety come on until I remembered I'm a child of God. God is sovereign in my life. And whatever happens in the future, he's going to be there with me. Jesus said another thing that can be a weed is, is riches. We can become so busy trying to make a living that we never build a life. We never develop in him, and it's just, it's just superficial. I'm so busy at the job. I'm so busy being a success in my profession that God thinks it's okay that I don't read his word and study his word and take time. We can get on that treadmill and will not only suck the life out of us, it'll choke the word out of our life. Jesus said another weed is pleasures. Hobbies. Things that things that can be a good thing, and all of these can be most of these can be a good thing until they're out of balance and they begin to crowd God out. Jesus was saying this to us and to the disciples. A weed is anything that crowds God out of your life. He wasn't even talking about sin issues. How much effort does it take to grow weeds? None. They're the easiest thing to grow. You don't even have to have a disciplined life. They just kind of grow on their own. And here's the interesting thing about that. Uh, we we have, have, have a friend that was a, a master gardener, and I didn't even know. You get a license for that. You can get certified to be a master gardener. And so she took all the classes and did all the interns and all this stuff. And so one time I asked her, I says, what is the definition of a weed? Is it a list of plants? She says, it, absolutely not. It is truly not a list of plants. And so she gave me this definition, and I was so surprised by it. Here's the definition. She says, this is a technical definition of what a weed is. A weed is any undesired, uncultivated plant, one that crowds out the the desired plants. Weeds are a sign of neglect. 
Weeds in your life, weeds in my life are a sign of neglect from the word. My mom, she hated weeds. I mean, my mom would tell us kids that get out there and and begin to weed the garden because when people drive by, they're going to look at our yard and think nobody cares in that house. Now, to my mom, it was embarrassing to have weeds come up. I hated to weed. I know the proper way to weed. I know the proper way is to use that tool that I hate, and you stick it down, and you don't just break the weed off at the surface, that you go down and you get the root. But when you're a kid and you want to play, and you want to play ball or, or, or whatever, then you're completely fine with breaking the weeds off at ground level. And mom may not know until three days later when the weeds come back with a vengeance. It's like they bring friends. And I'm telling you, you do things the world's way, they'll help you manage the weeds. They'll help you break off the weeds at the surface, but the roots are still there. Only God's word. What Jesus was saying, only God's word can uproot the weeds So you never deal with them again. You plant. You water. You weed. And the last thing is this. You grow. Unbelievable principle when you look at scripture or when you look at creation. Everything that God has created, God has created to naturally grow. You realize that, right? I mean, so so a plant doesn't grow, so grass doesn't grow. You have to remove something from it to keep it from growing. Naturally, God has created all of creation to naturally grow. Plants naturally grow. Believers, do you realize this? It is normative. It is normal. God has created us to grow. To grow and to mature and to develop in him. Fact is, growth, when you look at scripture, is intentional. Nobody grows by osmosis. Nobody grows because their wife learns a lot or their husband learns a lot. Nobody grows because their parents are spiritually growing. Growth is something that we do intentional. Growth is something that we have to do. And God speaks what scripture says. God speaks to people that are prepared. God speaks to people that say in advance, God, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do. Whatever, however you speak into my life, it's just done. I'll just do it. God does not desire to speak to try to answer your curiosities. God does not desire to speak to you to have an argument or debate of what's right or wrong. God desires to speak into your life. Here's what Jesus says about the good soil, verse 15. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, I mean, the disciples were probably on the edge of their seats. Tell us who this is. Hearing the word, hold it fast. 
Hearing the word with the essence of understanding, hearing the word with a response, hearing the word with God, you just tell me what to do and I'll do it. You tell me the principles, you tell me what to place in my life. God, whatever you do, because you say so, I will. Who hold it fast in an honest and good heart. And then watch this, what a promise. And bears fruit with patience. If you're going to grow in him, you're going to need patience. Because there's some difficulties, there's some challenges of life that you and I will go through. There are some steps that we may take back, and it's going to take some patience in our life. Jesus was saying the good soil is a responsive heart. It's a good soil that hears the word with an essence of understanding. A good soil is one that will respond. A good soil. And say, God, I expect you to speak to me. James 1.21 was kind of like bookends of this, this talk with verse 21 and 22. Remember, he talked about the implanted word. Verse 22, watch this as I read it. James 1.22 says this. But be doers of the word, not hearers only. Don't just hear the word. Hear it with a, with a response. Hear it with an essence of understanding. Because if you don't, you are deceiving yourself. And the blessing is not only in hearing the word. The blessing comes in doing the word. The blessing comes when you hear it in a responsive manner. The blessing comes when you understand the word and you implant it in your life. And the word will have a cumulative effect in your life to where it will grow up and it will bear fruit in your life. In our house and in our neighborhood... We have an urban squirrel, and it's become a pet of ours, and our kids make fun of us, Karen and I, because they think, you guys are crazy. But we've adopted this squirrel, and this squirrel comes to our house all the time. And the fact is, the squirrel comes every morning, and, and uh, we, uh, well, its favorite food is ballpark peanuts. And uh, <laughs> unsalted, because Karen's worried that the little, little guy cannot handle a lot of salt. <laughs> You realize a, a, a squirrel, an urban squirrel, eat, needs about 70 peanuts a day to survive? And so that squirrel shows up at our house daily. And so it's been over a couple of years, and so now it's gotten to the point, and the kids watched it this weekend but uh, when they were in, and so uh, it will come and sit on the fence, and if its peanuts are not there, the squirrel is not happy. And the squirrel begins staring at the sliding glass door that we come out of with a handful of peanuts. And so it will even take its little tail and start, I mean, it just starts shaking it like, hello, hello, I'm here, you know, time to eat. I'm thinking, you're supposed to store up. I mean, what are you doing dependent on us for? And so, but this, this squirrel expects us to feed it. And Karen's so excited because she thinks our urban squirrel is an intelligent squirrel because it has sit up on its hind feet and it does this. And if you know sign language, that means more. I go, he is not asking for more. <laughs> he is not asking for more. He doesn't even know what he's doing. <laughs> Karen's convinced. And so when, when, when the squirrel, we first started this relationship, uh, I'd run out with a hand of, hand of peanuts, and the squirrel would get afraid, because not total trust yet. And it would take off running, go to the neighbor's house, get up in a fence and look back and I'd put the, the peanuts there and then he'd come and, and eat and everything. Not now. 
That squirrel will sit on the fence. That squirrel will, has even been known to get on the windowsill of our house and look in our house. And now then, I take a handful of peanuts, and I can run out, and that squirrel will get back on the fence, and will get right up against me. And I'll put the, the peanuts out, and life is good for a squirrel. <laughs> Are you that way with God? Are you so dependent on him? you'll sit on his doorstep every morning expecting him to speak to you. Man does not live on bread alone. But every word that comes out of the mouth of God, do you sit on the doorstep of him, his waiting and expecting. Maybe at first, there's not deep trust. And maybe there's some fear. Maybe you're a little uncomfortable. But I promise you this, you go through enough experiences, you see him answer enough prayer, you see him respond in such a way, you get peace, you get joy, the word starts to bear fruit in your life. When he comes to feed you, you want to snuggle up as close as you can to him. Because you don't want to miss a word. Because it is life to you. And you hear the word with the essence of understanding. Is that you? Would you bow your heads with me and would you close your eyes? And for the past year after every sermon, I've talked to you and I've asked you a question. What is God speaking to you this morning? What is God saying to you through this message? Because here's the deal. I know he's been speaking. The deal is, is have you been hearing from him? What does God want you to do as a result of this message? What is God speaking to you? Maybe today some of you need to accept him. We've baptized in every service. Maybe this morning, this is a day that you need to surrender to him and say, God, I ask you to come into my life and forgive me of my sins and give me the gift of eternal life. God, I am going to respond to what you have been speaking to me for so long. I give up. I surrender to you. Maybe you've been a believer for a while. Let me ask you, can you hear the voice of God? Will you sit on his, his doorstep and, and wait for him to speak, to speak into your situation, speak into your circumstances? Do you have any roots in your life in him? When the heat comes, when difficulty comes, when crisis comes, has the word really changed your life? Is it implanted in your heart and in your soul? Jesus wants to give you a new depth. So when the heat comes of this world, of this economy, of your family, of this community, that you have depth. 
and you have joy and you have peace. In just a few minutes, I'm going to pray and then, then I'm going to have you stand. And, and when we stand, we want to pray for you. If you need prayer this morning, we're going to invite you to step out of the aisles as we stand. And you walk down front. We'll have prayer leaders down here. Boy, we have done this in every service and we have had people respond. And I know I'm speaking to some of you that are in overflow throughout the building. And so we're going to invite you, even if you're in overthrow, overflow, you can respond to this. And our ushers will guide you and you make your way down in here. Uh, listen, you don't have to be embarrassed by this. We all need prayer. I need prayer. There'll be others coming with you. There'll be people down here. And all you need to tell them is your name and the area that you need prayer. You may have been going through an illness. You may have gotten a doctor's report that you're trying to interpret. It may be a good thing. You're trying to make a decision in your life, a blessing, and you just need someone to pray for you. You may need to come and make a commitment and say, God, I want to hear from you, and I just need someone to pray for Whatever area that you need prayer, do not leave here without receiving prayer. So in just a minute, when we stand, you step out, you quickly make your way down here, we'll have people down here for you. Father, we thank you for this morning. Father, we thank you for your love, and we thank you for your grace. Father, I thank you that we serve and we follow a God it's a personal relationship that desires to speak into our hearts and our minds and our situations. So, Father, right now, I ask that you still this place of all distractions, that there'd be no weeds in this place, and that we'd focus on you, and that, Father, that we just wouldn't, wouldn't hear, but we'd hear in a way that we would respond. Pull every person close to you, and may they receive prayer this morning. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.